welcome to Horizon Church Online. We're so glad that you're watching our online service today. And we have a great service for you. In just a few minutes, you're going to meet Marissa, who we are asking to become our new worship leader. Her and Darby are going to lead us in the time of singing and praise to the Lord. And then I'm going to finish up our series about reasons to become a student of Jesus Christ. At the end, we'll have some announcements. And Darby and I are out of town this week, so that's why we're doing another online service. But we pray that it, it is encouraging and inspiring to you, that it helps you get through your week. And I hope that if it is encouraging and inspiring, that you'll share it with your friends and with your family and your co-workers online. Let's jump in.
the past few weeks, I've been sharing with you reasons to become a disciple, a student of the way that Jesus lived and loved, an apprentice of his way of life. And some of those reasons that I've talked about over the last few weeks include because the ways of Jesus are the best ways to live, because Jesus himself, he's such a unique person, he, he's such a unique character. Um, I've talked about it's because of grace, this undeserved goodness from God. And then I've talked about the Holy Spirit and how he's involved in us becoming students of Jesus Christ. And then I talked about how the resurrection is really the linchpin of Christianity. And if you ask me, why are you a student of Jesus? It's because I believe the resurrection. I think that there's too many people who claim to have seen a dead man come back to life and who were willing to die for it. Uh, to discount that. And then finally, last week we talked about how I'm a follower of Jesus because it presents a cohesive worldview, a way to see the world and make sense of the contradictions in the world and the contradictions inside myself. Now, none of these are a slam dunk reason to become a student of Jesus by themselves. You know, I wouldn't go into an argument or a debate with somebody who's like, you shouldn't become a Christian, and I'm like, you should, and I'd use one of these, and they're like, wow, you've convinced me, I'm going to become a Christian now. But together, they begin to weave, I think, a compelling argument about why you should become a student of Jesus Christ. Now, these are the reasons that I've chosen. These are the reasons that I find it compelling to be a student of Jesus. But you probably have some reasons I didn't list. And maybe you were like, maybe later on in the series you'll get to this. This was one of the main reasons I became a student of Jesus Christ. And I'm sorry if I never miss, if I never mentioned the reason that you did. But each of us have a personal collection of reasons and people that we've encountered and experiences that we had that led us to a point where we said, you know what, I want to publicly side with Jesus. I want to be a student of the way that he lived and loved. Every one of us have a unique story about how we come to Jesus. Your biggest reason for why you're becoming or why you have become or why you might become a student of Jesus is probably deeply personal. It's something very unique to you. It's a person that you knew really well. It's a special place you went. It's a special encounter you had. This book that you read. And although the biggest reason you become a disciple is personal, being a disciple demands that you never stay private. There's something about being a student of Jesus Christ that demands that we introduce others to the ways of Jesus Christ. It's very personal how we come to Jesus, but at the same time, we can't keep it private. In 1 Peter 3, verses 15 through 16, it says this, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Part of being a disciple is being ready to share the reasons that you are a student of Jesus. We're to have an answer, an explanation, a reason ready to go when people ask us. Now, I see two extremes in Christians when it comes to talking about why you are a follower of Jesus. Uh, I see two extremes when it comes to having an answer about why you're a follower of Jesus. 
One, Christians who are just silent. Like someone could come up to them and say, hey, tell me about Jesus. And they'd be like, mm, I'm not going to talk about Jesus. I might get in trouble. Or I'm not going to talk about Jesus. I don't know enough. Or I'm not going to talk about Jesus. This makes me uncomfortable. Don't talk about religion, right? No one will ever fight with you if you don't talk about religion. And then you have other Christians who are like, everybody they see, they're like a salesman. They're like, I can make a sale here. I, I'm going to start talking to this person about Jesus. And they're like affronting people out on the street, going up to someone, uh, I've seen some people who, well-intentioned, they truly want people to know Jesus, and they see somebody on their cell phone, and they're like trying to interrupt them, to ask them if they know about Jesus, and try to get into conversations about Jesus. And um, I, I think that this verse critiques both approaches. If we really believe that living and loving like Jesus is the best human life we can live, then we should want our friends and family and co-workers to discover that too. So being silent isn't an option. We're supposed to have an answer ready. If it really is good, don't keep it to yourself. If knowing Jesus really is the best life, and I believe it is, becoming a student of how he lived and loved is really the best life any human can live, then why should I keep that to myself? I want other people to live the best life that they can as well. At the same time, Christianity is not something that can be forced on anyone. We're not car salesmen out there trying to push a sale. Someone has to choose to follow Jesus. No one can force them to. European explorers, when they came to the New World, they tried to force the native people to become Christians or die. And so they were like, sure, I'll worship whatever you say. Just don't burn me like you're burning all my family and friends and relatives. I certainly want to worship your God as you kill everyone in my village or threaten them uh, with the threat of death. Allegiance to Jesus is the willing abdication of the throne of your life to a better king. Everyone goes through life living and loving how they think is best. Jesus asks that we step off the throne and let him rule and reign in our hearts and minds and lives. And he gets to define what living and loving looks like. I think his definition is better than mine, and I think his definition is better than yours. This can't be forced. This can't be coerced. This has to be chosen. Now, notice how the verse ends. We should share our reasons with gentleness and respect. Now, I've seen some people share true things about Jesus, but they did it in such an abrasive and toxic way that it actually pushed people farther away from the very Jesus they were trying to introduce them to. I've seen people so aggressive in their approach to try to talk about Jesus that they actually push people farther and farther away from God. Sometimes people say true things about Jesus in a very devilish way, with guile and with force. We don't have to manipulate people or coerce people into belief. If we do, is that even genuine belief? No, that's forcing someone to embrace maybe a religious doctrine or an idea, but people are going to come to Jesus when we use Jesus's methods. And what did Jesus do? He used gentleness and respect. We just have to honestly share and um, share with people about what we've seen and heard and experienced. Sometimes as an introvert, I'm like, I don't like talking to people at all, let alone talking to people about Jesus that's religious. Sometimes people will be uncomfortable. Man, this seems like a really hard position you put me in, God. You made me an introvert, and now i got to talk to people about how your ways are better 
and uh, that seems really unfair. This doesn't say you have to stop being an introvert. It doesn't say you have to start conversations about the hope that you have. It says you have to give answers to everyone who asks about the hope that you have. In Acts 22, verse 15, it says, For you will be witnesses for Jesus to all men of what you have seen and heard. I think often we don't say anything about Jesus because we're afraid we don't know enough. What if someone asks a question and we're like, I don't know. Like, we're going to look dumb. We're going to make Jesus look bad. Our job is not to be an expert. Our job is to be a witness. When there's been a murder or a crime and they call a witness, someone who stood there and saw what happened, they don't say, are you an expert in criminology? No, they don't care. They just want to know, what have you seen? What did you hear? What did you experience? In a court, they call an expert to analyze the data, but they ask a witness to simply share what they saw and heard and experienced. You and I are witnesses to what God has done in our lives, what we've seen Jesus do in our everyday life. You know what we have to talk about? What we've seen Jesus do in our everyday life. When you've prayed something and you've seen him answer. When you've uh, started wrestling with something in your life and he gave you the strength to overcome it. When you've read something and it's like somebody just reached out of this book called the Bible and grabbed a hold of your soul. That's what you talk about, what you've experienced, what you've seen, what you've heard, what Jesus has done. Um, and I think there's a couple easy ways that we can get into conversations with people about Jesus. First of all, live like Jesus commanded, live like Jesus taught, and it will make people curious. Curious people ask questions, and all you do then is have to answer their questions with the hope, the reasons you have to follow Jesus. Another thing that you can do is build trust. Get to know people, serve them, love them, build trust, because the good news, the story of Jesus moves at the speed of trust. The more trust you have with people, the more opportunities you'll have to answer the questions they have about the reason you have hope. Finally, I think an easy way to talk about Jesus is by um, listening instead of talking. Asking questions and listening to people's answers. Jesus constantly asked questions while he was here on earth. People would ask him this great question. You're like, oh good, what is Jesus going to say? Then he would ask them a question that got really to the heart of who they were and what they really wanted to know. I think sometimes Christians are way too uh, way too excited about giving answers, and we're really bad at listening and asking questions. If you can ask the right questions and get people to the place where they're asking the right questions, that's going to position them much better to respond to who Jesus is and really find out how full and abundant the life is that he offers. I think that Jesus is a good model to follow and that we should ask more questions than we give answers. I often ask people a question like this. Um, do you have a good relationship with the church or a bad relationship with the church? Sometimes people will hear that I'm a pastor and they're like, oh, oh, you know, and I'm like, have you had a good experience with church, church people, the church? Have you had good or bad experiences? And sometimes they'll say good. Sometimes they'll say bad. Sometimes they'll say a little bit of both. And then I share, you know what? I've had a little bit of both as well. So some of the meanest people I've ever met have said they're Christians. They're like, can you say that? You're a pastor. I'm like, yeah, I, I can say that. You know, and I'm like, but there's something about who Jesus is and what he teaches that I can't step away from. 
that I've never been able to leave, that just are so compelling. And then I begin to share about what I've seen about Jesus's teachings that's resonated true in my life. I know some people who ask, what's your spiritual heritage or what's your spiritual history? Like, what did your family do? Did they worship anything? Did they go to any kind of church or mosque or synagogue or, or place of religion? If you ask a good question, often they will ask what you they will ask you next what you think, and you can say something like, you know what? Here's been my experience with Jesus. Here's why I'm a student of Jesus. Here's what I've learned about Jesus. Here's why I think what Jesus taught is the best way to live. In our culture today, objective truth isn't very highly regarded. People don't believe something because an authority said it. Like in uh, decades past, we could say like, the Bible said this. And people would be like, oh, okay, the Bible said it. Got to take it seriously. Or you could say, a pastor said this. And they'd be like, oh, a religious leader said this. Take that seriously. People today don't regard objective truth. They don't care if an authority said it. There's been all kinds of reasons and studies about why this is, especially with younger generations. I mean, there's CG computer graphics in movies now. We can't tell what's real and what's not. That It could be something completely made with computers, and we're like, that looks pretty real. That dinosaur looks real enough. You know, it's made us very cynical. Social media conspiracy theories have made us cynical as well. And it's made us very untrusting as a people, because we can't tell what's real and what's not. Something that's true is real. If we're saying that Jesus and his teachings are real, that means that they are true. They resonate with reality, that they actually work. Over and over again, studies have shown that this generation values authenticity and personal experience. So that means that a person on the street might dismiss you if you say, God said this, the Bible said this, but they might take you seriously if you said, Here's been my experience with Christianity. I used to not go to church. I didn't think it was for me. Then I started hanging around these people. And, oh man, I started reading the Bible for the first time. I've started to pray. Here's how God's been answering my prayers. Here's what I've learned about Jesus and what he taught. And man, he taught some hard stuff, but I've been practicing it. And somehow it's bringing real joy and peace into my life. People will dismiss your allegiance to a 2,000-year-old religion that billions of people have claimed allegiance to. But they will respect the personal experience that you've had in that religion. Being a witness doesn't mean you sugarcoat your experience and be like, man, it's all been good following Jesus. Like every prayer I pray, he answers. He gives me everything I want. It's awesome. You know, everything's good. You, you can be honest. They want honesty. They'll actually respond more to honesty. Being a witness means that we share the compelling and the good, but it also means that we share our disappointments and our broken dreams, our answered prayers and the times that heaven has been silent despite our tears, despite our fasting, despite us begging. It seems like there's no answer. The miracles and our very often, many times, mistakes. This is what people today find compelling. Someone who shares their honest story about their experiences being a student of Jesus' way of life. This is what your neighbors want to hear, and your co-workers, and your family, and your friends, the people in your city, and community, country, and world. They want to hear a first-hand account about this is what it's been like to be a student of Jesus. This is why I'm a student of Jesus. Because I've seen this, 
and this has happened. I've had this disappointment, but I stick with it. I've read this and I thought about this and I've experienced this. And here's how Jesus has shown up in my life. Someone who shares their honest story and experiences about a student uh, being a student of Jesus's way of life has a unique opportunity to connect with people in this day and age. Share your doubts, but also share the reasons that you've not lost faith despite your doubts. This is the type of story. This is the type of witness. This is the type of reason that is going to reach the people all around us who are desperately hopeless and longing for someone to give them a reason to hope. People aren't looking for someone with all the answers. Whew, that's good, right? Because I don't have all the answers. Like every once in a while, I'm like, I should do a Q&A. And then I get really nervous because I'm like, what if people ask something I don't know? It's okay. Nobody knows everything. People are looking for someone who will be honest and open about what they have seen and heard and experienced. People want to know that you doubted, but you found God faithful. People want to know that you tested the ways of Jesus and you found them to be real. People want to know. So what do we do with this? I've shared some of my reasons over the last few weeks, my reasons for being a student of the way that Jesus lived and loved. What are your reasons? Do you know them? Write them down. Make sure that you know how you would articulate them, how you would share them. Be ready to give an answer when someone asks you, why are you the way that you are? Why do you talk about Jesus? Why do you go to church? Why do you follow the teachings of a 2,000-year-old rabbi? Have your answers ready. Second, are you ready to lean in and become a student of Jesus' way of life? Maybe you've been learning about Christianity, you've been thinking about it, you've started praying and studying the scriptures, and you think, you know what, it's time for me to say, yes, I want to be a student of Jesus' way of life. One of the ways that you publicly announce that is through baptism. You say, I want everyone to know I've decided the ways of Jesus are the ways I want to live and love. And finally, I want you to think about who you can share your spiritual journey with. Ask God for opportunities to share your story, to be a witness about what you've seen Jesus do in your life with other people. Ask people questions and be ready to give them answers from your own life experience. I think all of us have one person that we can begin to pray for and say, Jesus, Will you create opportunities for me to share with them about what I've seen you do in my life so that I can share with them your way of living and loving because I want them to live the greatest human life they can, the life that you lived. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the great privilege of being your ambassadors, getting to talk about what you're like to other human beings. You could have sent angels. You could have sent uh, some type of creatures that we can't even imagine. You could have come yourself and been a looming giant in the sky, but you're using humans to share with other humans about their experiences with God. Thank you for letting us partner with you because we know the Holy Spirit does the heavy lifting. All the weight and pressure isn't on us. You just ask us to be ready when people ask questions to give answers to be witnesses about what you've done in our lives. And I pray all these things like I believe Jesus Christ would. Amen. These are your announcements for August 23rd, 2020. 
If you'd like to give to support the work of Horizon, you can do so online at our website or via Venmo or PayPal. Join us Wednesday at 7 p.m. for a prayer call via Zoom. If you have any questions or we can help you in any way, please contact us via email or text. We pray that this week you are constantly reminded of all the reasons to know and live like and love Jesus the Christ.